You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour four of The Big Show continues live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement, uh, we have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. It's Calgary Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. Pre-game with Pat Steinberg goes at 6 o'clock tonight. Puck drop from the Scotiabank Saddledome with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson goes a little bit after 7 p.m. And that's where we're going we're gonna to talk a little uh, Flames Blues here with uh, Lou Korak, Blues writer for NHL.com and the Hockey News. Lou, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hey, Patrick, how are you? I'm doing all right, Lou. Uh, let's talk about this Blues group. Uh, just one regulation win in the first five among their two. They fell 4-2 uh, to the Jets to kick off this four-game trip. Uh, I'm hearing a lot about the lack of offensive zone time that this Blues team is having trouble uh, figuring out. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and you look at, uh, you know, it's only a small sample size, of yeah. course, you know, but people are already going to look at uh, numbers and whatnot, and I had taken a look at them, and, Right now, goals for you're 29th. Mm-hmm. Your power play percentage is 29th. Shots per game, you're dead last, 23.2 per game. Just not generating uh, any pucks at the net. Expected goals for 32nd in the league. So um, the stats back it up. So you're you're not generating much offensive zone time. Um, defensively, they've been okay. I mean, th- you would look at it and say, all right, you know, you're giving up 34 shots a game, but a lot of that is from the dots on out, which is kind of uh, the systems that they're trying to play, and they're okay with that. Uh, They're kind of playing with that bend-but-don't-break mentality, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they just don't seem to have the puck enough. They're not not cycling. They're not not doing their systems and the things that they want to do in the offensive zone right now, and they seem to be chasing the puck a lot, and eventually, you know, as the season wears on, it's going to wear you down, and that's where they're at right now, so Probably, if it if not for maybe say a Jordan Bennington and some of the some of the defensive systems you have implemented, uh, you're probably looking at a worse start than two two and one right now. What are what are the what are you, the the media? What are the the fans talking about? Like, why is this happening to start? Like, is it is it just like they like, Tarasenko's gone and Barbashev's gone? But I mean, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, they they they're obviously in in bigger roles now. Brandon Saad is still there. Why is the club having so much uh, trouble sustaining offensive or and even generating offense? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to figure it out <laughs> here as well. But like we're uh, figuring out, trying to figure out stuff here as well. Where we can't figure well, out the scoring as well. <laughs> Well, somebody's got to get two points tonight. We, exactly. we do know that. So, but but I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I just think, you know, it, it could be a simple answer, but I just think that with the shortcomings that they had defensively last year, they focused so much mm-hmm. on the defensive side of their game. I don't want to say that they've forgotten how to play offense. It's just... It, it just hasn't gotten going yet. I mean, like you, like you had mentioned, they got, they got good players there, and they've got guys that have gotten the job done on that side of the puck. And r- right now, it just doesn't seem like, from an offensive standpoint anyway, that they're playing connected right now. And I know one thing that Craig Berube mentioned after the Winnipeg game a couple of nights ago is that the forwards right now, the, they've got their blue liners there in support and they're not using them quickly mm-hmm. enough and they're not using them often enough. So if they get some of their defensemen involved, then maybe that's going to help in that regard. And they do a lot of chip and chasing of the puck and you're seeing just an F one going in on the puck, going against one and two guys and it's a one and done. So until they get some of this stuff figured out, uh, these numbers aren't going to really improve a whole heck of a lot. You're probably going to be relying on, uh, 
Jordan Bennington to win you some hockey games here in the early going, at least. Taking a look down the line here, obviously, like you know, like this team will be led in you think over the next few years by Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas as that center wing combination. Do you think they they like obviously you know Cairo's got back to back seventy point campaigns. He's pushed forty goals. Robert Thomas maybe a little bit of a step back last year with, with the offensive numbers, but still he can show some skill and and be that type of guy. But do you think like these two can be uh, uh, when we think of like a center wing combination combo in the league, uh, some of the top ones? Uh, do you think Cairo and Thomas could eventually find their way into being a, an ash, a top echelon winger center combo? You'd like to think so, but uh, right now uh, they're going to they're going to start getting judged a little more harsher, a little, mm-hmm. and, and there's going to be more criticism that's going to come with it because they've had their uh, big contracts now that have you know over eight million AAV each player. Those have kicked in, so you're going to be scrutinized with this a little bit more. So. And then on the on the flip side of that, you look at a guy, and I and I was watching the game last night. You look you look at a guy like Jack Hughes yeah. is already up to what seventeen points yep. in six <laughs> games for, for for New Jersey. Um, and look, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put these guys on that pedestal yet, mm-hmm. but they're gonna have to be. And if if they're not, um, you know, there's not gonna be a lot of success that's gonna come with with this hockey team right now. And Right now, um, it's kind of been a mixed bag so far in the early going. I think both can be a little bit better. I think Jordan Cairo, though, from from that standpoint, I actually think that he's been pretty mindful on both sides of, sides of the puck. And I know there's been, and for myself included, there's been some of that criticism of, you know, the offense is there. What are you going to do on the other side mm-hmm. of the puck? And I think we have seen good play from him on the other side of the puck. Maybe that's why there have been some shortcomings again with those guys on the offensive side because they are they have added some of those extra responsibilities to their plate so far. You mentioned that uh, the teams are more like they they're focusing uh, a bit more on their defensive side and maybe it hasn't caught up to the offensive yet. But I look at this blue line; it's it's the standard for the last few years with the Blues. It's Colton Pareko. You got Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Nick Letty, Marco Scandella. These are names that have been in the hockey lexicon for years now. And, and you know, obviously, judging by Bennington's start, uh, the defense has looked. Pretty good. You mentioned that. Like, how how is overall the 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 the, the six man uh, blue line doing back there? It's been pretty good. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I I wrote a story a couple of days ago. Colton Pareko was off to a fantastic start. Yeah. I mean, he to me he looks like he's back to that Colton Pareko that played with Jay Bomeister that won the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup mm-hmm. back in 2019. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't think a lot of people understand some of the issues that he went with, with, with a back injury. And it it really limited what he can do. And that is skate with the puck and and, and kill plays. And I think he's doing a lot of that more right now. Again, we need to kind of pump the brakes, maybe just a little bit because it's, it's five games in for the blues and you want to see this sustained over, over the long haul, but they've got to be encouraged by what they're seeing from him. And, I think Tory Krug had maybe his best game of the year. I know he doesn't have any points, and again, it's it's kind of the theme along with the rest of the team. Doesn't have any points yet, but had a really solid defensive game uh, against the Jets a couple of nights ago. Uh, but you know, Justin Falk, same thing. Uh, really off to a, I think just a good start. Good start fundamentally. Good start in and being very mindful in a defensive zone. Eventually, this stuff has got to catch up at the other side, but. It's going to be hard to kind of rely on maybe winning those two to one, three to two games if you're 
if the shot differential is, you know, the opposition is in the 30s every night and you're always in the 20s, eventually those things have to start balancing themselves out. Talked about the, the the five names I mentioned there. I didn't mention Tyler Tucker. Uh, this is a great story. Seventh rounder back in 2018. He got in some action last year. This year he's, he's, he's earned a full-time role. Talk to me about this guy. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, they like him. They like yeah. him a lot because... And Craig Berube is some of the, you know, some of the words that he's mentioned with him. He likes his bite. He likes his physicality back there. Uh, it is a good story. You know, you don't normally hear seventh round picks making their way onto mm-hmm. an NHL roster. It's a good story to hear. Uh, one thing to keep an, keep an eye out on for tonight's game, he may be out of the lineup Ooh. tonight. Only played, yeah, only played a little bit over eight minutes a couple of nights ago. I think he and the Scandella pairing a couple of days ago, I don't want to say had a, had a, had a bad game, but didn't get a whole lot of ice time together. They were on the ice for two goals against, and uh, you may see because they, they played every game so far. So you may see a Robert Bortuzzo in the lineup mm-hmm. tonight. I don't know if you're going to see a Scott Perunovic and I, I don't want to say it's anything indicative of what Tyler Tucker has been. I think they've liked what he's done, but again, it's, it's one of those where you got to be patient with a young player and just kind of nurture him and groom him along. He's still very young. He's still very raw. Uh, but, you know, I think he does have a promising future because the Blues really like what he's able to bring to the table. Uh, Blues in the first half of a back-to-back there into Vancouver tomorrow. Do you expect uh, Bennington tonight, or is uh, Joel Holfer possibly getting the start here in Calgary? Well, Craig Bruby hasn't tipped his hand on that yet, but we do know that one's going to get one game and the other's yeah. going to get the other for sure. So uh, I would expect I would expect uh, Bennington to go tonight okay. and give uh, Joel Hope for the game tomorrow. But as I say that, you're probably going to see it flip the <laughs> other way. Um, you know, Bennington's played really well. Yes. I mentioned it earlier, but he's he's been rock solid in every game. He's you know, very good numbers so far. Sub two goals against uh, a high nine. I believe he's uh, nine forty five save percentage right yep. now so yep. far in his uh, four games. So off to the start that they want to see him at, and uh, the Blues are going to need that. They're they're going to need their goaltenders to be really good, uh, especially now with the way things are going offensively. Uh, again, you'd like to think with some of the you know the personnel that they have that they're going to be able to get going into gear on the offensive side of things, but. Right now, it's just not happening for him. Uh, I got a, actually a, tech, uh, a question for the text line. How is Scott uh, Perunovic? I, I think uh, Jeff Merrick up here on the, on the Jeff Merrick show, he, he's a big fan of this player. Uh, where is he at in his development, and how how close is he maybe to be knocking on this door? Because you mentioned that he, he's, he's, he's around. Like how, how close is he being a, a full-time guy on this, on this blue line? That's a tough one right now, and okay. uh, I, I think it's just a situation where the Blues are, you know, they're – wanting to bring him along again. And Craig Berube has mentioned, we've brought him up in the past here about, he just feels like he needs to bide his time. I think they understand and know what he can bring. And maybe, maybe that's a guy that they need to throw into the lineup here at some point, just to kind of inject some life in not only into the offense, but especially into the power play. Cause he's a good power play guy. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in the past. I just think that they want to continue to groom him along on the defensive side of things. That's where they feel like that, Maybe he needs some more improvement, and they've been working with him on that side of the puck. Uh, and I, I get it because this kid needs to play games, and he's had the injury history, and they've sent him down to the AHL in Springfield and have, wanted, and have talked about him playing games, playing games, and just getting him more and more into action because he's missed so much. Mm-hmm. This doesn't, you know, This doesn't look good in that aspect because right now he's not playing games, but he is with the big club, and 
knock on wood for them, he is healthy. They want to keep him that way. He's just basically got to be patient and, and bide his time before he gets gets into the lineup. I want to bring that bring it back to Bennington here for a second. I, I think we saw it last year, the the, the fights with the Minnesota Wild, uh, his antics, uh, maybe like uh, maybe rubbed people the wrong way. How is he received out in St. Louis? Obviously, you win a cup, you're you're a hero forever, and and what he did in that cup run was, was unbelievable. But but obviously, like how is he like like how is he to work with like deal with in the media? Is is, is that kind of behind him, or is it that's just going to be part of his game? He's a bit of a throwback that way. You. No, I, I'll be honest with you, I've. The times that I've dealt with him, I can tell you, has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I enjoy talking to him. He's he's a very brilliant he's a very brilliant man. He really is. When you sit down and talk to him, he can he can dissect things for you. He can break things down for you that that in ways that maybe you wouldn't expect. And the fans love him. The fans yeah. absolutely love him here. And like you said, hey, listen, you're you're a Stanley Cup champion, first time Stanley Cup champion in this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. It, it's going to take a lot to rub these people here the wrong way, and I, I, I don't think that he's uh, ever going to get into bad graces with with the folks here in St. Louis. So, but I've I've had great dealings with him, and uh, that's just that's just the nature of his game. I mean, he's a very highly competitive person, and whatever he has to do, whether it makes him look like the villain or not, he's going to go out on. He's going to put himself on a limb, on the line, in order to make the team successful. And that's just the way he, he's always been that way, and that's how he's always going to be. When he first came into the league, I mean, it, he, you know, the odds were stacked against him. So he's always kind of got this me-against-the-world kind of a mindset. And uh, when, he's, when he feels like he's on that island by himself, a lot of times he comes out swinging and comes out on top, and that's, that's just the way that he approaches things. And I don't think, I don't think that's going to change. Um, the older he gets, he's probably going to be a little bit more melatonin, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that that's just a competitor in him. And I know and I understand it rubs people the wrong way. But until you really get to know him, uh, I, I understand where that perception and that concept comes from. But he really is a really good guy to deal with. How uh, he's obviously he's got three years left on his deal after this one. Uh, is is the plan for Joel Hofer to eventually like start getting more action, eventually uh, take that crease away from Bennington uh, as he gets older, or or is it just like, hey, this is Bennington's job until he doesn't want it anymore? I think it's his job right right now anyway. Yeah. But I think the idea is they want to make they want to make this a tandem uh, at least in the, like everybody else seems the, to be. Yeah, the, yeah, it has to be because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just see that, you know, gone are the days. And I heard Marty Brodeur talking about it on the broadcast last night that mm-hmm. you just, you know, teams aren't going to go that route anymore where people are going to play mm-hmm. 70 games a year. It's just not going to happen. And I, and I understand that they're going to need Joel Hofer to pick up the slack here that, you know, it was a, it was a one year tandem with Thomas Grice last year. They knew that's all it was going to be, but eventually it was going to come down to this tandem and they're going to need Joel Holfer to pick up uh, at least the slack on about 30 games, kind of the light and the light and the workload on Jordan Bennington. But no, I, I think it's his job for the foreseeable future as long as he wants to be here. We're talking with Lou Korak, uh, blues writer for the NHL doc for NHL.com and the hockey news. Uh, talk to me about new captain Braden Shen. Uh, I mean, obviously we know him a lot from uh, his time with the world juniors team here and, uh, seven-time, twenty-goal guy. I think of a definition of just solid NHL player. Braden Shen is right there. Uh, you know, like I obviously, I think it was a no-brainer pick to make him the captain, despite a trend of teams maybe picking younger players to wear the C. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know there was some talk there uh, towards the tail end of when they were making their decision that uh, would they put it on Robert Thomas yeah. and. 
you can you can kind of understand that because he's going to be one of the cornerstones here mm-hmm. moving forward, especially kicking in with an eight-year contract and has already wore the A in the past. But no, this was a no-brainer for me. And again, another another terrific guy to deal with. Uh, consummate pro will play through injury. Has done it in the past uh, and is, is just a leader by nature. And I know the the biggest example for me, and I'm sure it's happened. Uh, in the past and it's happened with other teams, you know, when Shen got named, mm-hmm. every single guy on the team came downtown just to make sure that they welcomed him in with open arms and uh, the guys love him. And I, I think, you know, I kind of think that epitomizes uh, what Calgary has there with Backlund. Yep. It's probably exactly. the same thing. It's, it's not always, it's not always the high end guy mm-hmm. that's going to get the letter. It's going to be the guy that maybe in the room is the mo- is one of the most respected people there. And I think you have that situation here for sure with Braden Shen. Uh, the Blues did like a, a bit of a mini teardown last season, obviously sending their UFAs away in Tarasenko and Barbashev. Uh, you know the young guys on the Cup team. It, they're now they're the flag bearers on the team with Kairou and Thomas up front. Uh, Doug Armstrong just had his one thousandth game as Blues general manager, longest tenured GM in the league. Uh, is this a team that still envisions itself, you know, wanting to be in the dance every year with the way it's constructed? Or is it like, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out where we are f- to get back to those heights of 2019? I think they're trying to still figure things out because Doug, one of the things that stands out to me when we talk to Doug Armstrong is if you put it in football terms, he put, he says, we're at the 50 yard line. We just don't know whether we're on the right side or the wrong side mm-hmm. of the 50 yard line yet. So they're, I think I think what they're trying to do, and it's a tough thing to do, you're trying to transition into a new genre while yeah. you're also trying to continue that playoff success. Now, I always say they got, they got bounced out of the top eight in the Western Conference last year. To me, it's always tougher to get back in than it is to lose your spot. Now they have to try to find their way back. Who, whose spot are you going to take? Because somebody's not going to willingly take it from you. So that's what they have to try to figure out, and that's what and that's where they're at right now. They still feel like that they're relevant, and that the, if they get into the dance, that anything can happen. And they understand right now that probably Colorado and Dallas are the, are the benchmarks of the Central Division. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. Uh, but they feel like at le- at the very least that third place in the division is attainable. And if they can somehow continue to be relevant in that, then maybe they can get back to a postseason team. But when you're, when you're a cap ceiling team, uh, when you're looking at it from an ownership perspective, they're going to expect results. Now mm-hmm. you had a slip up last year. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to want to see this sustained and, and continue to go in this direction. As long as they're opening up their wallets for you to spend the money up to the cap. Like even like like because do you think this like uh, heading in I think a lot of people are saying well the central might be the weakest division in the league and at least early returns I mean it's got five teams currently in playoff spots I think Arizona is going to be better than it was last year I think Winnipeg is probably more the first half team than it was the second half team and then obviously Minnesota and then Colorado Dallas like there's just Chicago is probably the one that's that's lacking here but do you think the the people were maybe sleeping a bit on this central division that it could be more competitive than people think. I would think so. I mean, you know, and you you can throw Nashville into that. Who mm-hmm, are they mm-hmm. and what are they? I mean, they're all they're exactly. always another team that, you know, maybe people out there underestimate, but look what Barry Trotz went out there and did. So I think the Blues are kind of in that mix. And you're right about Arizona. I mean, there have been a lot of people that have asked me about who may be kind of one of those sleeper teams, somebody that may mm-hmm. jump in. And 
I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Arizona is a playoff team, but I think they're going to have a lot to say about who finishes where. I mean, they came in here and the Blues played one of their worst games uh, mm-hmm. of their five so far, and they they came in here and uh, and mopped the floor with the Blues and actually played really really well that night. So they're going to do that on a lot of nights here because I like what Bill Armstrong's doing out there and know him very well from his days of. Uh, developing and uh, drafting players here in St. Louis. So uh, they got the mm-hmm. right guy leading them there. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's, I think it's going to be very competitive and it is usually year in and year out. But again, I just think that Colorado and Dallas right now are kind of the benchmarks and you're going to have to do your best just to kind of stay up with the two top dogs there. Because uh, I think for third place, you're probably looking at a three to four team yeah. race just to try to finish third in the central. And that's going to be a battle in itself. Uh, Craig Berube, he uh, signed an extension in February, 2022, one more year after this season. Does the club envision him sticking around after this deal? Or is it like, will this season, and like you mentioned, like how Doug Armstrong is like, what side of the 50 yard line are we on? Is it, is a lot of it come down to how the blues finish uh, on, on Berube's future? I think so. Um, it's I, I think the one thing I can say about Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby is they have a very good relationship. Yep. Now, we've said that about GMs and coaches in the past. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, uh, somebody gets off. Uh, you're, you're singing the praises of somebody and somebody's getting fired five hours later. Yep. You just never know. <laughs> so it's 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 but but in this situation, uh, I think it, it holds true to form. Uh they're, they're very close to each other, but then again, so we're Doug Armstrong and Ken Hitchcock, mm-hmm. and we've seen what's happened there in the past. So you could never say never, but I just, it's, it's hard for me to envision them going away from Craig Berube, mm-hmm. at least before the end of his contract, because you owe it he's, to done, him. He's, he's done plenty. Yeah. yeah, he's done plenty. He's won a Stanley Cup. Yep. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for the, the shortcomings of uh, everything that happened with the pandemic, this team was leading the Western Conference at the time the league shut down uh, the year after they won the Cup. Last year is the only only year that they haven't made the playoffs. So um, it's been a good run for him. But, you know, again, he's he is a Philadelphia guy. So that may mm-hmm. be something that I would keep an eye on maybe in the future. Would yeah. he ever want to go back home if something were to happen there? I'm I'm not. I'm not spreading any rumors no, no. here, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. And you have, obviously you have a, you know, new management there in Philadelphia. Chief has obviously been very close with them in the past. So I, I would, I would always leave that open-ended of a chance maybe for him to one day go back to Philadelphia. But right now I think he's happy in St. Louis. He's got this year and he's got another year remaining on his contract. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that changing before the end of it either. Lou, love the chat. Uh, really interested to see how the St. Louis Blues season will go, and uh, we'll enjoy the game tonight, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon, buddy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Bye. There you go. There's Lou Korak, uh, Blues writer for NHL.com and the Hockey News. St. Louis Blues, the opponent tonight for the Calgary Flames, and it is a Calgary Flames game day, brought to you by South Point Toyota. Free game with Pat Steinberg goes comes your way at 6. Uh, puck drop from the Dome. With Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson goes a little bit after seven o'clock. Round the corner, uh, WrestleWeen three tomorrow at Victoria Pavilion down at the Stampede Grounds. Uh, we'll be joined by Dallas Hart, co-founder of Dungeon Wrestling. Uh, talk about the card and uh, what else is happening down at uh, the Stampede Grounds on Friday night. It's a great show. Uh, keep it locked right here, Sportsnet nine six at the fan. Welcome back. Hour for the big show, closing things down here from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. 
Uh, this Sunday, George and Matt will be hosting a live show from Edmonton on Sunday, October 29th from 2 to 4, right on Commonwealth Stadium's turf, I guess, next to the rink. They'll have a show there. A little two-hour show, get you set for the Flames and Oilers Heritage Classic ahead of Pat Steinberg's pregame um, at 4 o'clock on Sunday. So that'll be fun. That's uh, thanks to Tuxedo Source Sports. Come see why Calgarians choose, continue to choose them for all things hockey, 2520 Center Street North. Uh, I want to say a little bit of breaking news here uh, off the start, off the tar start, I should say. Uh, Darren Drager uh, say says that Shane Pinto is uh, he's on his way to being suspended. Uh, That's a big one. Yeah, boy. NHL announcements expected uh, soon, but uh, he's going to be suspended 41 games uh, for violating the NHL's gambling policy. Uh, it's the first casualty, I believe, for the NHL. I believe so. Yeah, uh, yeah. With, this, with since gambling's become a big thing in sports. So uh, that's something to follow. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll talk about it more tomorrow with Frank Sarah Valley, but I don't want to keep uh, our guest on the line for too much longer here. Dallas Hart, co-founder of dungeon wrestling. Uh, he's our next guest down the Atlas Pizza and sports bar guest hotline. Uh, WrestleWeen three uh, goes tomorrow evening, Friday night at the Victoria pavilion at six o'clock Dallas. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your morning and uh, chatting with me. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, not a problem. Thanks again for, for joining on. Uh, a change to the main event. Uh, originally scheduled, it was going to be Nick Aldis uh, and Harry Smith. Uh, Harry is not going to be a part of it now because he's injured. And Nick Aldis, a uh, very uh, surprise appointment as the new general manager of SmackDown out in WWE. Uh, you still got a good main event in its spot. Uh, but just chat about what uh, what those two meant to uh, to Dungeon Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, we were really building around that as our, our main event. And, uh, you know, Harry, he had a emergency appendix removal Ooh. and, uh, you know, we wish him a speedy recovery. And Nick, Nick Aldis, um, you know, of course, got signed to WWE. So, you know, we wish him all the best. And, you know, he's been a real big piece of the puzzle for us and building our, our brand. So, um, you know, it's, it's a hard spot to fill. But, uh, you know, we got the masterpiece, Chris Masters mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, you know, very, uh, you know, he's been with us before and, yep. you know, we look forward to him and Leon Lacombo, um, he was the battle Royal winner at our event in uh, July at the Romero rumble. So, um, you know, that's going to be a huge main event for us. And, uh, you know, we think they, they can fill that void for, for Harry and Nick Aldis. Oh, we know we know what uh, Chris Masters can bring. He's a he's a he's a veteran. He's been in uh, various promotions, uh, WWE, NWA, wherever it is. But talk to us about Leon Lacombo. He's a, he's a younger guy. You you mentioned he won the the Romero Rumble back in the summer. Just chat about this guy. He's a big man. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's a big dude, and you know <laughs> he's been uh, he's been proving himself all over the place. And you know he's uh, he's just out of Vancouver area, okay. and uh, you know we're we're happy to bring him in again. And you know he's. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with his skills and uh you know he's he's got a tough test with Chris Masters ahead of him but uh you know it's going to be a good main event. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait for that one. Uh let's try to, like oh. We're going to try to reconnect with you there, Dallas. I think your phone's having a little bit of a uh, connection there issue. We'll, we'll try to reconnect with them there. Uh, but yeah, WrestleWean 3 goes uh, Friday night at Victoria Pavilion at 6 o'clock. This is a great, great little... Uh, this is the exact same arena that uh, you know the Stampede Wrestling took place at. It's just, you know, walking up to the Saddle Dome. You've got the, the Agrium there. Uh, and then right there, the Victoria Pavilion. It's a, it's a great venue uh, to watch some wrestling uh, as a as we figure out how to get Dallas back on the air here. It's going to be a good car. There's uh, the Voros Twins. I don't know if people are, are, are heard of them. They're big on the social media, the TikTok and whatnot. So they're going to be on the card as well. Uh, Raj Singh and Crimson. 
And uh, yeah, GVP is about to reconnect here with Dallas. But yeah, WrestleWean 3, it's been a great show. Uh, great product that the, the Dungeon Wrestling has been putting on. Dallas, we got you back on the air here. Yeah, uh, sorry about that, guys. Oh, all good, all good, buddy, all good. Uh, technology, it's 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 hilarious sometimes. Uh, talk to me about the Voros twins. Uh, this is a, a big get, you know, as they step into the world of wrestling. Obviously, they're they're bigger in the social media TikTok world, and they're going to be going up against technical difficulties in a tag match. Uh, obviously, always love to see a good tag match. Uh, talk to me about uh, the, these teams, but first, the Voros twins. Yeah, you know, we're, we're these are another guy, uh, set of guys that are, you know, we're really excited about bringing in, you know, not only because of their social media presence, but, um, you know, they have a uh, really good wrestling skill. Yeah. Uh, I personally haven't seen them yet, but I know, um, you know, talking to Mo and some of the other guys that they're, you know, they're very capable and, um, you know, really looking forward to them coming in. Um, same with the technical difficulties. They're, you know, they're com- coming out of St. Louis two big guys and uh, they're going to square up real nice against each other. And uh, the winners of this match are going to get to face the Billington Bulldogs in December for the tag belt. So uh, I think both, both teams are going to be really fighting for, for the win. Can't wait for that one. Uh, Raj Singh and Crimson. Uh, this is, this is going to be a, a bit of a, a, a fight here. Uh, Crimson pretty pissed with uh, Raj Singh and his dad, the great Gama Singh. Uh, he's probably not leaving Friday night without some answers. Uh, talk about the build for this one. Yeah, so this is a trilogy match. This one's been going on for, for a couple events now. And uh, at the last one at the Romero Rumble, uh, Gamma Singh, he came in and he had some some of his old bag of tricks and gave <laughs> Crimson a little ball of fire in the face and, uh, you know, kind of pay back for what Crimson's done to, to Raj in mm-hmm. previous events. So, uh, you know, it's squaring up for a good uh, rubber match here. Um, so, there, yeah, this is this is going to be a one to watch out for for sure. Uh, a couple big Canadian boys in uh, Sean Moore, Sebastian Wolf. Uh, they'll be uh, they'll be going at it. Wolf making his debut in the dungeon, uh, but they've also got some history as well. I hear. Yeah, no, they they do, and they uh, you know we're excited to have them in a dungeon wrestling ring for the first time. Uh, Sebastian Wolf making his debut. You know, Sean Moore. He's been on a on a roll with us, and he's you know he's been racking up some wins and uh, looking stronger and stronger each event. So. Uh, this one definitely you're going to want to watch for too. Uh, Mojabari, uh, he's been a staple in dungeon wrestling for for years here, or just in the Calgary scene of wrestling, and he'll be taking on Michael Allen Richard Clark. Uh, for those who don't know about Mo, uh, talk, talk a little bit about him and, and what he means uh, uh, to the dungeon uh, wrestling organization. And just like uh, uh, you think of top Calgary wrestlers, he's he's obviously up at the top. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, not only is he you know one of the best talents that we have in calgary he's a really good friend of the family and mm-hmm. um you know he's helped us build this brand from from the bottom up and uh, you know he's he's done a lot of great things already with his wrestling career he's he's been on some AEW shows and wwe and uh you know hopefully he can continue that momentum and keep climbing towards the, the top and you know uh every match that he's put on for us has always been 10 out of 10 and you know we we expect the same from him and you know, he's Michael uh, Richard Allen Clark, one of the long, longest names in wrestling. <laughs> um, you know, he's good. he's a great wrestler himself, and he's going to give Mo everything he's got. So, um, you know, they're they're going to go at it, and you know, we're we're going to be there supporting Mo all the way. Uh, the matches aside, uh, what can you tell fans the, uh, attending Friday? What can they expect when they they get into the pavilion there on Friday night? 
Yeah, it's uh, you know it's all ages event. Uh, it's obviously Halloween theme, so we, we encourage everyone to dress up. We're going to have some contests and some prize giveaways, and uh, you know it's always a good time for you know bringing the kids down. And um, you know we're we're trying to really focus on bringing the younger crowd in and and get them there. They always seem to have the most fun. They're they're always right up there, right at the front, yelling at everybody. So. You know, bring the kids down, and you can uh, be a part of that fun too. How how's the business? Obviously, still still a young promotion, but you guys are putting on a lot of good shows. Uh, you're getting you're getting a ton of people out to, to to watch them. Just overall, how how's business doing? It's good. It's you know, it's we're still in the first year. You know, we're there are a lot of learning curves. There's mm-hmm. you know, every not one show has been the same as the last. So every everyone is different, and you know, we take. Uh, you know, every every show we do, there's there's something to learn from it, and uh, you know, we I feel like we've gotten better and better each time, and our our name and brand is you know spreading out across not just Calgary but Alberta, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even talks of, of us maybe doing a show in Australia with Nick Aldis, um, some sometime in the future where the Dungeon Wrestle, some of our Dungeon Wrestling guys will go down there and and face some of the Australian promotion guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's really cool just to see it branching out as far as it has, and you know we're we're still we're still young and growing, but you know we're we're really excited about where where it's going. If fans aren't able to uh, get out to watch the show tomorrow night, is this going to be uh, one of the ones you stream as well that uh, people can go find out? Uh, no, there, this one's not going to be streamed, okay. but okay. Uh, we are we are going to be doing another show in December. So if you're not able to make this one, uh, there's another one coming up fairly quick and in December for a Christmas show. We haven't done a December or a Christmas show yet, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that one goes, but we're, we're excited about that one too. Do you have a, a, a name, a theme for it yet, or is that still in the, the, the workout process? That, that's still in the works, but uh, we're, we're going to be posted. We're going to have all the information uh, uh, tomorrow and releasing all of that in, in the coming weeks. Awesome, Dallas. Thank you uh, so much for uh, taking some time for us this morning. Uh, uh, and talking about WrestleWing 3, uh, where can fans get tickets? Yeah, and yeah, thanks guys for having me on. Yeah. And yeah, for fans that want to come down, uh, you can just go to www.dungeonwrestling.ca for tickets. And uh, you can also just come down and get tickets at the door yes. if, uh, if you'd rather just do that way. Awesome, Dallas. Thank you so much. Uh, anytime we can help out Dungeon Wrestling, uh, I'll be for sure uh, to help you out. Thank you, buddy, and uh, enjoy the show tomorrow. Okay, thanks guys. Cheers. There you go. There's Dallas Hart, co-founder of uh, Dungeon Wrestling. That WrestleWean 3 goes tomorrow night, 6 p.m. at the Victoria Pavilion. You can buy tickets, like Dallas said, at dungeonwrestling.ca. Uh, it's a fun show. It's like a cool setup. It yeah. is. And you, like, you, you buy your tickets. You can just sit wherever you want. Obviously, they have the stuff around the, the ring. You can get there. If you get there early, you get a better seat. Or if you want to go up high and, and get a better view, it's, it's a great venue. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the old WCW Halloween Havoc. Yeah, the wrestle uh, wrestle wing. Yeah, exactly. Thing yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, even Halloween Havoc is still a thing. Like WWE uses it for for NXT and whatnot. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's a really cool event. Uh, great local wrestling here to to go out and support. And they do they do a bunch of shows uh, throughout the calendar year. And, and that December show will be really cool to watch as well. Want to get, get uh, back into the Shane Pinto thing? Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we we heard about there. Just mentioned it before the break. Uh, or just before Dallas, that uh, Senators forward Shane Pinto, who's currently without a contract uh, right now, is he's, 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 we were talking about that with uh, with a ton of Ottawa guys, is like, like 
why didn't they pay Shane Pinto? It's because we gave Vlad Tarasenko money, and they don't have money to pay Shane Pinto. Now, I, I don't think the suspension can actually take effect uh-huh. until he signs. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's where it's, it's, it's definitely that has to affect because the number, he's not right? a contracted player. Yeah. Right now, so he's a free agent. I think he needs to be a contracted player for the suspension to take place. So, if I'm Ottawa, you probably want to get this thing done. Yeah. Because that has to affect the number, right? The contract? The, no, yeah. The, this this suspension has to affect oh, the money I, value of, I th- of the contract. It would I have would, to, right? I would think so. And it, and it definitely reduces possible other suitors for Shane Pinto, right? Well, yeah. Nobody's going to be trading for a guy they're going to be without for half a yeah. year. Uh-huh. Even though like, it would maybe maybe a, a, a rebuilding team. They're like, we could store Pinto away. Like there there were connections for uh, to Vancouver, correct? And and uh, like they they got to be out on that now. I, I don't think anybody that w- wants to be touching this right now. No, I, I wouldn't either. Is it, this is this is a fascinating thing. Are, are you surprised that the NHL? Obviously, they have to set, they have to set a precedent here. But do you think forty one games is is way too harsh, or is they have to get out ahead of this thing? They and really, you know, throw the hammer down on 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 a guy like Pinto. You know? I don't know the whole NHL, the whole policy of what they are. I know yeah. that it's probably is you can't bet in the facility and you can't bet on the NHL or teams yeah. if it's similar to the NFL. Okay. If it's anything like that, or the NBA, or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, is he doing this in the facility? Was he doing this last year? It was. It's just, it, it's fascinating to for sure find out. I'm Something to ask Frank Saravalli tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, if he knows anything more on this thing. But this is, it's just, it's it's a crazy story. You don't, you don't see it. You didn't think it was like, going to happen in the NHL, but who knows? No, no. <laughs> this, how many guys have happened to it in the NFL now? It's, oh, it's way over. It's at least like, over ten. Yeah, and and then the, with the suspensions there, and with all of those guys, it's like they were betting on strictly football games. Like I, yeah. I'm not totally know like what the whole rules are. I, like I you just, just said, you like, are you allowed to go bet on like? You if can, I'm a football player. Can I go bet on on some hockey action? Oh yeah, yeah. You just got to do it at home. Okay. You just got to do it at home. You can't do it in the facility. Like, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand how how players end up breaking this rule. It seems pretty black and white, right? <laughs> you know. Um. Yeah. It, it should be just like, hey, don't bet on the team you play for. It got Pete Rose banned. Yeah. Um. For life. For life. <laughs> uh. And now the NFL. You saw like if you're caught betting on your team, it's a two year ban. Yeah. I that. That's fair. Like these these punishments need to be extremely harsh because I know that gambling has become a huge profitable thing for the world of sports and it's it's basically everywhere on broadcast, In, right? And it, it when, th- when players start messing around with that world, it, it can get you can get to a point where the integrity of the game gets lost. Yeah, and, and that's that's the most important thing that 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 cannot happen in sports. It, it gamb- Go ahead. No, that's that's all I had to say. Yeah, like, just gambling has definitely made. Like sports, you got the you got the bad officiating in football. You wonder, like, you start asking questions, like, how many of these guys are on the take because they aren't full time. There's there's middle school teachers out here refing every game on Sunday. There's you know there's guys that just do have regular jobs, and you see it in Europe. Uh, the yeah. Italian national team right now uh, in soccer, like, there's three players, like Sandro Tonali's uh, of Newcastle United, is set to get a ten month ban here running a little uh, gambling ring in Italy like like Europe is so hard on this stuff like they like you they, have to be they, hard it on is it. so hard like 10 month ban year bans two year bans and this is like that's been a big issue over in, in Italy uh for a long time and, and I feel like some people might be a little naive to the fact of just how how big gambling really is and mm-hmm. like 
we've seen it in the past with other scandals. Like, have you ever seen that Netflix doc, uh, doc on uh, Tim Donahue, the uh, NBA ref? Mm-hmm. He ended mm-hmm. up, you know, going to prison and, and stuff yep. like that. But he was deeply entrenched in, in fixing games. So it, it's happened in the past when when gambling wasn't even, you know, part of our everyday sports, I, you know, lexicon language and all that. Mm-hmm. So like, leagues need to get a handle on this because it it might be a problem that they they don't even realize is like bigger than than what it really is. I feel like the NFL is just f- figuring out about it mm-hmm. and like leagues like the NHL and NBA are soon to follow in my opinion. Yeah, they, if Shane Pinto Shane Pinto's not the only one yeah. out there. Uh, and if this is a warning to other NHL players, then they're coming for you, man. They'll find you if you're doing this stuff. Uh uh certainly something to watch. 41 games though, uh, a ban for Senators uh forward Shane Pinto currently without a contract has till December 1st to sign or he won't play this year. Um if he, I don't know how many games the Senators would have after December first. I think they probably have a little bit more than forty-one games left. But oof, this is this that, is that, that'll be one of the longest suspensions in NHL history, from what I'm just looking at like, right now. Like longest, it would be longest game serves forty-one games. Rafi Torres on a hit on uh, Jakob Silverberg in 2015 because they were just done with Rafi Torres. Yeah, crap. He, was, he was a he was a multiple yeah. you know repeat offender, and that was during that whole headshot era when the NHL is trying to clean that up. So that that is currently sitting as the longest number of games served. Pinto there, might join him with that. Yeah, like like Chris Simon had 30 games for stomping on Yarko Rutu's leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Simon also got 25 games for a slash to Ryan Holwig. Torres had a 25-gamer as well. Jesse Bolaris had a 25-game. McSorley got 23 for yeah. hitting Brashear upside the head. Torres again, 21 games uh, here. Bertuzzi got 20 for for the Steve Moore incident. Uh-huh. Um, we all know uh, Dennis Weidman had 20 games, but that ended up getting reduced. That got appeal. reduced, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but all these suspensions, like this has got to be like for the first big suspension for something that's non-violent. On yeah, the exactly. If you're looking at all like uh, the breakdowns on all these suspensions, like, they're, you know, there's been one player banned for life. Billy Kutu, uh-huh. okay. 1927. Wow. More you know. He assaulted two referees. Yeah, can't do that. Uh, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. Uh, yeah, that's 41 games. Uh, I don't know. It, it, like, they this must be a huge thing. And like I said to you when when uh he must like, have broke like, during the break and, yeah. and I said to you like uh like that you, you can't appeal this, you know, like the NHL aren't aren't they gonna back it. off on this. They're like, no, it's it's pretty black and white. You can't do this. There's digital and, and paper set, trail, bud. Exactly. <laughs> and you, you have to set a precedent, and, and they're coming down real hard on Pinto. Oof. Oof. Is that, right. that, is a, that is a big one. Uh, I do want to say that Stampeders uh, did release their uh, depth chart ahead of Friday. Maddie said it uh, before we went off there, uh, or there in the 8 o'clock, uh, that the Bombers aren't bringing anybody. I'll be a strong backup contingent for, for the Bombers tomorrow night. Uh, really nothing on the line. It's more the Calgary Stampeders just wanting to, to play another good game, continue that momentum going, because they have not played a lot of good football this year. It's just really the last six quarters that's really uh, shot people up and uh, really gave more belief to this team. But uh, uh, Diedrich Mills will be in. Michael Griffin will be in. Uh, Rice and John's going to work his way in. Brandon Dozier out. Cam Judge is going to be out. Uh, so he's probably just some maintenance, some rest. Kadeem Carey will also miss another uh, maintenance type thing. Uh, Reggie Bagleton will miss another. He's been dealing with the ribs. So, yeah, the Stamps, uh, they're definitely going to be sitting some guys that are key. Uh, but Jake Mayer will go. Uh, you'll have all the guys on the offensive line. 
the defensive line is all there, but it's just giving guys like Cam Judge, uh, Kadeem Carey, uh, and Reggie Bagleton, three key members of this team, uh, a well-deserved uh, game off as uh, Bagleton MOP nominee for the Stampeders. Kadeem Carey had a had his biggest game of the year in, in an injury-riddled uh, campaign. Cam Judge, uh, outstanding Canadian nominee, easily probably could have been defensive player of the nominee as well. Uh, that goes to Mike Alway. Uh, but that should be a fun one uh, tomorrow night. Uh, dress warm. We'll be chilly. Stamps and Bombers. Fan appreciation day as well. Uh, you have a chance to win uh, a game-worn jersey that, you know, you just watch that player play in that jersey, and that could be yours. Uh, so, yeah, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock kickoff down at McMahon Stadium. What's on the program tonight? Well, Jeff Merrick shows up next, and they'll be all over uh, this Shane Pinto news. Ian Mendez from The Athletic on All Things Senators. Uh, they'll kick off the show at 10 o'clock. Bruce Brudreau will join the show at 1025. Uh, 11 o'clock, uh, Brian Burke. That should be a really good conversation. Uh, we'll talk about the, the decentralization of the NHL draft. Uh, obviously, the, pri- the, the pride tape and, the, 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 and what's going on with that issue in the NHL. And Corey Lavalette from the uh, Hurricanes, uh, all things Hurricanes, at 1135. That's the Jeff Merrick Show. It's Calgary Flames game day for South Point Toyota. We'll be on there at 6 o'clock with the Flames pregame show with Pat Steinberg. Puck drop at 7 with... Uh, with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson goes at 7 o'clock. Whatever you do today, stay safe out there, uh, stay warm, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Keep it locked right here, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.